thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome, because today we've decided that we're going to take you on a bit of a journey of discovery and creativity. Because we wanted to um, talk about, I guess, each of our individual journeys, and we're going to possibly do a bit of a series. We don't know. We're flirting with the whole idea, but we thought we are going to start with Cindy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because one um, thing that's come up of late with your feedback on Facebook and, um, and, and emails to us is that there are a lot of you guys who listen to the podcasts who have amazing business ideas or who have amazing stories or messages. And I'm just curious about how you can start in business and develop a business. And I think that each one of us has got a story and a journey around how we've created our businesses and how we've gotten to where we've gotten to. And I guess also what's yet to come because there's never an end to it when you start fulfilling your passion and you start living the message of who and what you are. So we're going to start with Cindy, my sweetest, because you're the oldest. (laughs) I love how she says that, you know, that's why we're starting, because you're the old bag. Well, I was was about to say the most experienced. No, no, oldest works. I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah, fair call, fair. But But fair. fair. Let's, Let's go there. Oh, what, where, are we, where are we starting? Where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start right about the beginning? We reverse it back like when let's go my mum and dad got together? No. Let's go back. It all started back in 1923. <laughs> well, I think the inspiration that will follow this is perhaps more around, you know, they say do your passion and the money will follow, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of us end up in jobs that maybe we don't like or bosses we don't particularly want to work with or whatever it is. So for people, and I'd imagine a lot of our audience are quite entrepreneurial and quite um, forward-thinking anyway, some of them may have thoughts and ideas around what they'd love to do. And my line is always, if you could wave a magic wand and money was no option, what would you be doing? And for some people, that said, well, money's no option. I'd be on an island in Fiji. Well, great. If you can do that, what would you want to do? Because that's all very well in saying that. But, you know, a week, two weeks, fine. A year, three years down the track, will you still want to be lying in a hammock in Fiji? I really, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's people out there that would really want to do that. We've always talked, the three of us, that we would never, I don't know if retirement is even a word in our language. No, I don't not think, for me. No, and I don't think we will, uh, it'll just have a different emphasis. And I think... Cindy, you're such an inspiration to Karen and I, and being the oldest. Um, <laughs> no, note how they keep saying that. Um, did you just say that Cindy was the oldest? <laughs> um, I was going to say that she was the more mature. Or the oldest. Or, or she's the only one in her 50s. Or the oldest. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, who needs enemies when you've got friends like this too? Well. So, so maybe, yeah. sweetheart, I'd love. I mean, I know, we know you, but what on earth got you started? And what made you? Did you wake up one day as a child and go, "I'm going to be a nutritionist. Mm. I'm going to be out there. And I'm going to do it." Is that how it worked for you, or did this evolve? Look, it's an evolution, definitely. 
Um, and I just want you to know that they've asked me the question and now they're on their phones and their computers and they don't I'm really want to listen to me. I'm only I'm listening. I'm looking I, at my next question. I'm actually only teasing you to, you know, you've heard it all before. So, you know, why did you just leave the building? No, <laughs> I was actually looking up your website to see if you had a history oh. story on there. Thank you. No, I am. I'm actually teasing these two girls because I'm, I'm quite happy for them to do what they need to do while I have my little chat. <laughs> You know, I, I um, it was so funny because I was at um, a conference on Sunday and I was in Sydney and I got out of the bus and this girl came up to me and she said, are you Cindy O'Meara? Was that Christy? No, just this, no. her name was Lisa. She said, are you Cindy O'Meara? And I went, yeah. And she goes, oh my gosh, I follow you. And I, and, and, and it went on like that. Yeah. And then I got to the conference and I could hear, is that Cindy O'Meara? <laughs> Is that Cindy O'Meara? Oh, are you, you're Cindy, aren't you? You're a rock you're, star. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I was a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit blown away that perhaps after 30 years of talking about nutrition that I'm actually now being recognised, you know, like somebody who just goes into a movie and is recognised straight away. You know, that's not hard work at all. But <laughs> 30 years of now I'm being recognised as um, somebody who's making a difference in the health world. And that's really that's really significant because it means that Everything that you've done is leading to somewhere. But at the time, you didn't know it. You just... You, this is the thing that I... Whenever I think about my business and I think about what I could and shouldn't do, I always, always, always think about you. Oh. Always, always, always. And ever since I met you, you've been a mentor for me. Always. You and my sister. Oh. Are absolutely the examples that I follow all the time. Thank you. But you've known that. Like, I've always stood on stage and said, my mentor's in the room. <laughs> the person who started, you know. So forgive me <laughs> if I make a mistake. But she I, gets nervous. But I think that's the thing that makes what you do and who you've been while you've been doing what you're doing so powerful. Because at the time you were never, or even today, you're not doing it for the fame and the fortune. You're doing it for the passion and the commitment to the message. Mm. And what naturally comes, comes when it comes. But you've never taken your foot off the accelerator. You've never put the brakes on. You've never said, I'm out. Because that was never that was never part of the strategy of why you're doing what you're doing, which I think is what makes you so humble and so beautiful in what you do and why people want to be in your company now. So they do see you and they go, oh, my God, that's Cindy O'Meara. Oh, my God, that's Cindy O'Meara. <laughs> Because you were never doing it for the fame. You were doing it for the, for the we, magic and the message. We just want to know, just out of interest, that you'll still speak to us when you're world famous. <laughs> and will you sign my boob? <laughs> and, and my butt. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to really point that out as an acknowledgement of you. you. Thank you. And, and, yes, we will always be friends. You know that. You know that. You know, like I think about, I do think back at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I will sign your tit, I promise, and I will sign your ass. They're showing me their boobs and their asses, guys. I, in even men are watching right now, I'm sure you would have loved that. You right, Ben? Tell <laughs> but if I go, if I was to go back, um, and I always did something because I loved it, I didn't do it because I had to do it. And the first thing I wanted to do was ski. And so I felt like um, I'd been out of school for two years, I'd had two years of a gap year. And I thought, well, I'll go skiing. But I, to go to university, I had to go to the University of Colorado in Boulder because it was the closest place there was to skiing as well. And um, and so 
it was because of me making that decision that I had a, a very influential professor named Van Gerven who taught anthropology. And it was through learning about anthropology and food and, and all of that stuff that I got this passion for nutrition. I remember ringing my mum and saying, Mum, will you find out where I can and learn about nutrition in Australia? Because I couldn't afford to stay in America. It was too expensive. Can I just ask how old you were again? Sorry. 19. 19. Okay. 19. So... Um, after two years in the US, I, I came home and I finished my degree in Bachelor of Science and um, didn't really like that because it didn't equate with anthropology and nutrition. I was learning about margarine and low fat and, and, and yet, you know, in anthropology I was learning about hunter-gatherer and meats and, and how we ate in the agricultural revolution, etc. So I had a really hard time there thinking that I could become a dietitian. So... It was, once again, I went, well, I can't be a nutritionist because I, I wouldn't be teaching what they're telling me I should be teaching. So I went back to university, did two years of human anatomy, and decided to become a chiropractor. But realised my passion was in food, and so quit two years after two years of chiropractic, I quit and just started consulting. And it, I loved it. I absolutely loved teaching people about food. Then when I had a baby, um, I decided I didn't want to work outside the home, but rather inside the home, and just and wanted to express how I was feeling. And so I rang the paper and asked if I could write for the paper, which I did. And after a couple of years of writing for the paper, they didn't really want to tell the truth. They just wanted to sell papers. And so when I did want to tell the truth, and it would be against their sponsors, I couldn't tell it. So it was because of that that I wrote my book and, and self-published it. And what's really interesting, that while I was at this talk on Sunday, I had one lady come up to me and, and just say, oh my gosh, you know, you've inspired me to start this blog. And now I want to write a book. And I don't know what I should do with publishing and where I should go. And I, I, I sat with her for 15 minutes and explained the pros and cons of publishing versus self-publishing. Um, or going with a publisher as opposed to self-publishing. And, and, you know, she was in marketing and advertising, and I said, once you've published your book, or whether it be through Penguin or who, who I'm with, or whether it's through yourself where you're the, the printer, it's the marketing and advertising that is more important than writing of the book. The writing of the book's easy. And I realised that my knowledge there was quite amazing. Mm. As I'm talking to her, because I'm talking about literary agents and I'm talking to her about how easy it is with social media when you do, do an electronic book or you, you do your own printing. And then I said to her, you know, I remember, I remember spending $6,000 on printing my own book and figuring out how many books I had to, to, to sell before I broke even. Mm. And that was my aim, was to break even. And then once I broke even, then I'd make a profit. So in the beginning, $6,000 was my investment to get my book out there. And then what I did was I started in a really local scale. So I started here on the Sunshine Coast and I, I rang, um, you know, CFM or if they were then, I don't even think they were around at that time. It was 92.7. So I rang them in the ABC and I got on radio and sold a few books and, and, you know, the aim was to get on television. And so I kept ringing television stations, you know, like Brisbane Extra, which doesn't even exist anymore, and Today, Tonight, and The Current Affair, and nobody wanted me. And now finally, Brisbane Extra wanted me. So I remember getting on Brisbane Extra, and I, I went to Maya in, in the city, in Brisbane, and said, I'm going to be on Brisbane Extra. Can I put 10 books here? Because I thought, well, if I sold 10, that'd be pretty cool. So I put the 10 books in there. 
And I went on Brisbane Extra. Uh, it was Easter Monday night. I remember it really well. It was Easter Monday night. And by 10 past 9 on Easter Tuesday, so when everything went back to work, Maya rang me and said, oh, we sold you 10 books. Can we have 10 books for every one of the Maya stores in southeast Queensland? I said, sure. So I got it. I got my van all ready and I, I put all the names of the stores down and figured out where I went to go. And that was before the time of GPSs. So I was mapping it all out and, and I put the 10 books in, in each of the boxes to be delivered. And then 9.30 I get a call from Maya going, could you make it 20 for each store? By 10 o'clock, it was, could you make it 40 for each store? Before you'd even left. Before I'd even left. <laughs> wow. And then it was like 10.30, it was, could you make it 80 for each store? So at that stage, you know, I had to get somebody to come and help me. So we packed the van and the next day I actually went. And I remember going into one of the Maya stores and I, and there's people waiting for the book. This is what blew me away. There's people wow. waiting for the book. And I walk in with my jeans and my T-shirt on in the, and with boxes in my hand and women are pulling the box apart, pulling the boxes, the books away from me. And there was, I was like, what, what has happened here? Like, what did I say? But it, I sold 3,000 books that week. Isn't that awesome? So I... I feel I, like I want to clap. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, I, and at that point I went, I have a message that people want and it's my message and it's, it's what I love and it's my passion. And, and so for many years that's all I did was just sell the book, sell the book, sell the book, sell the book. And I'd do talks and sell the book. I'd do talks and I'd sell the book. And Were Penguin happy with you? Well, they weren't with me at that stage. Did you self-publish I self-published in the beginning. And then that's right, your investment was $6,000. $6,000. And then after, you know, and I'd sent my... Um, stuff to um, Penguin, to Random House. I think I went to 15 publishers and nobody wanted it. And then because people could see mm. how well the book was going and it was a self-published, I actually got a call from Penguin. Mm. And then they asked me, would you like to come with us? And, you know, to me that was, mm. oh, my gosh, somebody wants my book. And so I did end up going with Penguin and I am still with Penguin today. You know, what, how long have I been with them since... 2000 and we're now 2014 so I've been with them 14 years and I have a 50 year contract with them well they locked you in I have 50 years with them wowza yeah yeah so I've done 14 years of my 50 years I've got 36 years to go so does that mean from a business perspective you can't write any other books and not put it through Penguin so does everything that you write have to go through Penguin? No, just that, or just, just that, or book. Just that just changing that book. habits. Okay. And I can um, change that book, and and it won't be with them anymore. Okay. So if you do a if you do a rewrite of it, mm. they they like I can go do go elsewhere. But it, yeah. that is the title that's with them. Yeah. And then I gave them two years international. So I was going to give them 50, 50, 50 years international, fifty years because I didn't know any better. And then mm. a friend of mine who's in publishing said to me. You really do need a literary agent, Cindy. So I ended up getting a literary agent, Tim Kernow. He was just amazing. And he said, I don't think they need 50 years to get you internationally. Let's try two. And so after two years, they got me into Korea and Greece, not into America and England. I got myself in there. And it was this whole, um, this, it was, that was my education. It was like it was um, education by fire. Is that what you would call or, you know, that's where Baptism I was. Baptism of fire. Baptism of fire. That was the, what I'm trying to say. And, and it was a learning process. And, and you know what? 
one thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next, and publishing with Penguin and then understanding the international market. And so it's been a real journey, but I've, I have continued down the same path. I've, I've not changed. I've stayed in nutrition. There's been times I've gone, oh, this is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. So what 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 happens when you get to that stage? Like, mm-hmm. Is there something that actually occurs inside of the business or that occurs inside of the marketplace that gets you to the point where you go, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. What, what, what's the catalyst to get you to that feeling? What yeah, happens? Well, the, one, the one huge catalyst that got me to that feeling was that nobody believed me. Mm, right. you know, so and I was rejection. ridiculed by um, m- um, mainstream. Mm. There were people, obviously, that did believe in me, bought my book, made the changes, saw the benefits. So mm. I was back 20 years ago talking about we shouldn't be eating margarine, we should be not doing low fat, we should be eating eggs. So I was against the Heart Foundation, I was against everyone. Now it's becoming more mainstream with but what I've been then, talking about. But back then, it, I was really... Did you say you said people walk out of your talk? Mm. This is the one talk that almost put me over the edge. I remember I, I spoke to Happy Slimmers in Caloundra, and there was probably about 80 people in the room, and I was talking about, you know, if you get a McDonald's hamburger and you put it away for two years, it won't go off. Mm. And I heard people go, oh, what rot? What about the lettuce? <laughs> You know, and I go, no, the lettuce doesn't go off. It just wilts and it sits there. And, oh, of course the bun goes off. And I had people throwing books down and saying, I've had enough. And they walk out. And That's I, commitment to maggots. Yeah. That's what that is. That is commitment. That's but it wasn't, commitment only, to wasn't only that. It was I was talking about, you know, we shouldn't be doing low fat and we should not be doing skim. And, 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 and nobody wanted to listen. And I remember getting off that stage almost at the brink of, please let me out of here, I'm going to burst into tears, Yeah, mm-hmm. really on that brink. And at that stage, I remember driving home going, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for my family, but I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, I remember going to the grocery store on the way home because I needed to pick up some um, food for, for um, dinner. And I'm walking in the grocery store and I run into a friend who actually is the um, PA to Lisa Curry. And for those people who don't know who Lisa Curry is, Lisa Curry, especially at that time, was one of our Olympic swimming stars and our Commonwealth swimming stars and quite well known. And I'm talking to her and I told her what happened to me. And she said, oh my gosh, Cindy, that's terrible. But she goes home and tells Lisa. Now, I know Lisa. She's, you know, she's a friend, so I know her. So she goes back to the office and tells Lisa. And Lisa ends up telling this man that she's about to speak at a conference at. And it's a week-long conference. It's $20,000 to attend. And he says to Lisa, tell her to come to my conference. It's on me. Wow. Wowza. And it was all about, you know, getting going in business and, and people you know, ridiculing you, especially if you're doing something different. And it was almost like when something happens, you think it's bad or good. We've talked about this before. If it's not bad, it's not good. It just happens to take you to the next path in your life. Mm. And that was a business seminar that absolutely um, blew Howard and I away because we both got to go. So there was because of the happy slimmers saying, oh, this is rot walking out on me and me getting upset, I, yeah, I got a $20,000 seminar. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, happy slimmers. I have been meaning to thank them Are they publicly. Still I don't know if they're still around, but they were Weight Watchers. Yeah, 
they were Weight Watchers. And and after going to that, I I, I, I got inspired again. I went, right, I'm going to do this. I, I can do this. This is something that is burning in me and I'm going to keep going. I don't mm. care about the ridicule because there's always going to be people that are going to do that. And, and, and so I did. And then, you know, um, then five years ago, um, Howard joined me. And we got a business coach. So that's a fairly significant leap because that's certainly something that um, I'm actually working with a couple of people whose husbands and and under different circumstances are starting to join them in their businesses. Mm. And there's a couple that I'm working with right now and financially their businesses are definitely not ready to have, you know, the husband finish up with what he's doing and then go into to their business. But out of necessity, because he's been made redundant or whatever the situation is, it just seems that that's the next best thing, which puts, you know, the partner in an incredible position in terms of stress uh, to perform and to produce income for, to cover both of them. And that's a really big step. How did you and Howie know that it was time to do that? How, what was the indicators for you from a business perspective? What were you... When did you know that it was okay? And was Howie, I mean, I'm just throwing lots of questions here, but was Howie keen to do that? Did he always want to do that? Did he did he create a job for himself inside? What what, what was the process? It's actually a really good um, question because it was all about Howard, this whole thing. And so it always, it always is. is. <laughs> just as well, my husband never listens to these podcasts. <laughs> oh, me, we have to let them know that it is all, all about, about them. them. It is. <laughs> all right just to go on so Howard's a chiropractor and he was feeling a little bit trapped in that he always had to be there morning Mm. and lunch he had and 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 afternoon he had patients they relied on him he had to be there between seven in the morning until midday and then between three and seven at night so that was his hours and if he wasn't there Mm. he wasn't making money. money and and who else would be there for him? So he felt a little bit trapped. So for many years he was looking for businesses to go into and he'd find a business and it was like a $400,000 business and then I'd work out with him, we'd work out together, I'd go, here's a $400,000, you're going to have to pay $400,000, it's going to cost us this much in in interest and this is how much you're going to make, you're going to have to work seven days a week. You, you, you're buying yourself a job just mm. over broke. You know, mm. that's what you're doing, you're buying yourself a job and he'd look at it and go, ugh. And we'd go to the next one and the next one. And he could never, ever find something. And his whole idea is make money while you you sleep. And what was really interesting is that um, this gentleman, uh, his name's Chen Tay. And I know Chen. I met him a couple of months ago. He's a gorgeous man. And he is a chiropractor also, Mm. but he's also an entrepreneur. And he and Howard hooked up somehow. And Chen really believes in my business, which was an information business on books. That's it, website, books, and information. That's all we did. And Chen really believed in my business, and he said, you could be so much bigger and better than what you are, Cindy. So he would say that to me. And anyway, Chen and Howard um, hooked up for some reason. They are at the same conference together. And Chen goes, do you realize the potential of your, your wife's business? And my husband said, no, why? And he goes, it could do, 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 do. And he went on. Mm. So we actually employed Chen for a day, and the three of us sat down for a whole day, and we brainstormed. What a great idea. Yeah. Mm. To have someone that has that that outside influence and that vision. Because that vision. Mm. often we get stuck in our own way, don't we, mm. Mm. with limitations or dreams way beyond, 
you know, sometimes we can think so big and dream it's going to be amazing and it's actually you need someone to keep you in check, but some, in your case you needed someone to... And Chen is an amazing thinker, and so I recorded the whole session. And um, we needed, like Chen was our, our inspiration, but we needed somebody who was a little bit more structured in the approach. So Chen would throw me things to do and I'd go off and do them and then throw hard things to do. And in the, in the end, after um, we'd had time with Chen, we, we wanted someone more structured. So we ended up with another business coach, Bruce Campbell, who's with Action Coaching, to structure what we were doing. And Bruce is very structured and very... Uh, particular in what we had to do. And all I wanted, Howard wanted the big picture, I wanted the day-to-day. And so Bruce realised that. So he would give me day-to-day stuff to do. And we we saw him every week for nearly two years, over and over and over again. We would go and he'd give me my task, but he'd he'd speak big picture to Howie, which appealed to both of us. He He was absolutely amazing with what he did. And then... Because of the three of us always being together, I remember Howard saying one day, how many people talk to, ask you, Cindy, about your salt chapter in your book? So I do a whole chapter on salt, and I go, oh, everybody asks me about how do you get dulse, what's the salt, what's the percentage, how do I do it, you know. So he said, why don't we package it? And so that was the beginning of our food business. So we packaged salt. We sold 400 in our first week and both Amazing. of us looked at each other. Yeah, it was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And, and we both looked at it and went, this is what they want. You've been talking about this food for 15 years. Now they want you to deliver it. So that's, that was the beginning of our food business. And um, our food business has been going now for four years. I think we're going into our fifth year now. And, and it was because of that need that excitement that want and now our food business has just overtaken everything it's huge it's we we sell to 27 countries around the world um, we have a where we have two warehouses we're bursting out of two we're onto our third warehouse and we only sell so many foods salt sugar colloidals greens probiotics which are food based everything's food based there is no chemicals or anything like that in it we sell camu camu some vanilla it's not a lot. Cacao. Oh, cacao. Cacao in kimchi, in kimchi oil. Yeah. So they're very different um, foods, but they're, and I don't like to call them superfoods because to me a superfood is the herb garden you've got in your backyard that you pick your, your greens out of. That's a superfood. These are just foods that are high in a, a particular nutrient. Um, but they're also food-based. They're not food. made in a laboratory. That's no. what I love. Nothing is made in a laboratory, and we source these from around the world because in different areas around the world, in different altitudes, is where you can get these types of foods. So I'm very much into buy your local produce, you know, get your fruits and your vegetables and your meats and your, your dairy and your your all of those things, buy them local. But what you can't buy local, such as your salts and, and your sugars and your cacaos and your inky inchies and your camu camu, then that's what you purchase from me. And I'm, I feel that food that I deliver to people is that gap between eating McDonald's and, and all of that to getting us to making our own fermented foods. And it's, it's, it's to me, I'm, I'm trying to get you there and I'm just helping you with these foods doing it. So that was, I guess that was the food line is, and now it's just, it will become 
bigger and bigger. It, we, we introduce new foods. This year we're introducing five new foods. Next year we'll probably do the same. And, and what I, I love about my husband, and I, you know, I, I have great pride in what he's done with this business because I sit up here and we're, we're in my office at the moment, everyone, and I, I do sit above the warehouse by myself. I'm like a... I just perch myself up here and all I have to do is research and write. Whereas before I did dispatch, event coordination, um, getting in of my books, printing, publishing. Everything. I did everything. And now I am the researcher and the writer. And what Howard has done is he oversees the whole business and we now employ, I believe it's around 15 people. And is that, has that happened because he came into the business? Definitely. I had, like, I was happy. I was happy doing what I was doing. I was teaching. I was writing. Um, I, was, I was doing what I wanted to do. I loved what I did. You also had three young children who yeah. were still at school at that time. And I think the important message here that I would love people to get is that it's a progression. It's You don't just jump in and become the person sitting up reading and writing. Absolutely. Um, and priorities were different for you when this started. I mean, your book was launched in 1998, mm-hmm. um, 16 years ago. So I sort of think that for you, uh, I think the thing I've learned from you is... is don't rush, mm. you know. Like, don't don't make. Well, don't think you have to be have thirty years results in three years business. That's right. That's a really good point. Mm. Um, and I think what's so beautiful about you and Howard is, whilst you both led quite separate um, business lives, there was always because of your values and your core values with one another, and your family values and your life values. How beautiful that you came to something that now is both of your business values and I think that was that's credit to both of you for allowing each other in mm-hmm. in that way um, do you think if someone was starting now let's say we've got some listeners they're listening and they're thinking oh I love nutrition I mean you've inspired so many oh, people yeah. from a nutritional point of view we need more Cindy O'Meara's out there <laughs> so um, I don't believe there'll ever be a shortage of mm. a Cindy O'Meara message what would be your advice to someone sitting there going, oh, I love nutrition, I'd love to do, or I'd love to at least help, or they might not want to run an empire like you are or even get to that level, but they might want to write a blog or they might want to write a book or they might want to be a speaker mm. to educate and give people your lessons. What's the next step for you and what would be your advice to them? Well, you know, I, I have this question often asked, you know, how do I do what you do, Cindy? You know, how can I teach nutrition? How can I, you know, how can I do what you do? And... You know, it's it's really hard because I did my Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition and I have two young nutritionists who work for me who have just completed their Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition. They have learnt nothing different. How long does that take, by the way? Three years three is your Bachelor time. of Science, full time. And how do you major in nutrition? Is that during that three years? Yeah, in that year. So you do science. It's a, it's a science degree, but your major is nutrition, food science, you know, physiology. You, you just major in that, that area. So it would be like if someone wanted to do a Bachelor of Science majoring in uh, microbiology or psychology, they can do that. So it just depends what their major will be. What are they really focusing their, their science? Because science goes millions of ways, mm. lots of ways it goes. So I'm watching what they're learning, and they're learning exactly what I learned 30 years ago, which is just so old hat. And it takes a long time for institutions to change. But if you want to be taken seriously, you need a degree. That is my belief, is that you do need a Bachelor of Science degree majoring in nutrition and then you can go on from there. 
And so that if you're really serious about this, then that's where you go. But there's also the coaching side of it. And I, and I look at the beautiful um, Mel Kent. So Mel Kent's somebody who started following me about 18 months ago overweight, depressed, and a lo- I'm sorry, Mel, if you don't want me to tell the world, but I am. <laughs> um, too late now. Too late now, Mel. You know, I've just watched that girl grow, and she's gone from really in a bad way in her health, a beautiful relationship, by the way, a very supportive husband, but really having a struggle in her health and her life, as far as that goes, to now excelling in her health and her mental, you know, in everything she thinks about. And she started a blog or a Facebook page. And she then tells information to that. And I was talking to her the other day and and I said to her, you know where your forte is? Your forte is in pregnancy. In You have such a passion for pregnancy. Not so much um, food's important to you. I understand that. But where you're going is, is about pregnancy and empowering women about things like the glucose tolerance test and ultrasounds and having to have a C-section or not or, you know, the whole thing about pregnancy and birth, perhaps what you need to start doing is focusing your attention there. So I look at the the way she has travelled through and where she's getting to now and where she'll end up, I don't know. But it's been a passion and a journey for her to get to that point. And so... I don't know what people want, and and this is what I ask. My first question is to them, do you want to be a coach or do you want to be a nutritionist that's taken seriously and write a book and you need to get your degree? And so I would send them to either, um, if they had their degree, I would send them to a postgraduate program in uh, Australia or I'd send them, if they wanted to just be a health coach, they had a year, they were mothers, they didn't have time, or you know, someone that just needed more knowledge on health and nutrition, I would send them to one in New York. And after two years of, of going, but they're not exactly teaching what I agree with because I'd seen both the programs, I decided about two years ago that I wanted to create my own education program. And this would be for people who had finished their Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition, for medical doctors, for chiropractors, for physiotherapists, for people that are not taught nutrition. And we know that doctors are taught less than 12 hours of nutrition in their six years. We know that chiropractors are the same, but these people are at the, they're primary care practitioners. Mm. So I thought, what if I created a program based on the philosophies of changing habits for these people? But then I have so many people that want more information because they come up to me and say, I had a goiter, um, they took my thyroid out, what do I do? Now, that's not a simple Mm. question to answer. Mm. That's huge. And so I I want to empower people with knowledge and education to know what path they have to go on for their health. So um, this has been, you know, another passion of mine is to educate. I've always educated, but to really educate with something that, people could take to the next level where they could become health coaches or they could become clinicians in what they're doing. And if they're they're finishing their dietetics degree or their nutrition degree and they do not agree with it, then they can do a year with me and know exactly what they do when they get out. You know, know the right questions to ask their clients, um, know where they need to, to put them. You know, I've been doing this 30 years. I've got a lot of knowledge in my head and I've written things down. And so last year I started this whole... Um, push towards wanting to do this so it's taken me 
two, two, probably two to three years thinking about it and then going, what do I do? Where do I go? And then asking people and say, where do I go? And, and people directed me. I asked the right person and they directed me to, this is where you need to go, Cindy. And then from there I went to the next thing. And, and all of a sudden, as of Monday, I have a PhD um, gentleman, his name's Stephen Meyer, beginning um, work with me to create an education program for the layperson as well as the um, person with a degree and, and with the background um, working full-time for me now to create this education program. That's just so <laughs> spectacular. It, it, it is. just awesome. Look, I'm, I'm bursting because, you know, even to find him has been... Mm. Uh, something that I didn't think I would find. So when I started this whole thing, I, I found somebody, and she had all the credentials, but she didn't have a biomedical degree. And I was going to be paying her to come up to speed. She was a smart woman, come up to speed with my information for her to put it into an education program. And I kept saying, I want you and I want someone with a biomedical degree. So then what I did was I got her and I got someone with a biomedical degree and I put them together. And, and then, you know, the, the cost of it blew out. Mm. And, my, and Howard, my husband, you know, who's the financial controller and the person who runs this whole thing, said, get me another quote, Cindy. I'm not going with that one. Oh. <laughs> he did. So I went, oh, gosh, you know, and I was prepared to pay it. But he said, get me another quote. So I went back to my HR lady and I said, Howard's not happy. And she oh. knows when Howard's not happy that she's got to jump. <laughs> I think it's really important in business to have a bad cop on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is like that. And so she um, then. And I just, just, just on that. Because oh, you're in your recruitment, thought, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. hold your thought because I think that the value of what that was there is really quite important. Because when you're in business on your own, you're both the person who's passionate about the message and the financial controller. Mm. But oftentimes, when you're passionate about the message, which is certainly a, a, a situation that I'm finding myself in at the moment, I'm throwing money after stuff left right and center because I'm the one who's passionate about the message so now I'm going well I'm just going to throw 20 grand at that I'm just going to throw 10 grand at that I'm just going to throw 5 grand at that and it'll work it'll work it will it'll work because I'm behind it I'm behind it it'll work it'll work but to actually have somebody that says uh uh pull it back be logical, be practical, I think is invaluable. Mm-hmm. You've just given me the biggest bloody light globe moment mm-hmm. that I could possibly have had Anyway, and very important mm. when you're on your own, you're it. You are, and and I was it. Everybody needs a Howie. Hello. Yeah. Well, we had Bruce to begin with. We had our business coach. Yeah, and I think Howie learnt from Bruce. Yeah, very much. Did he? Because mm. I think where Howie says no, it's all very good and well to say no, and sometimes we can get on an ego trip even in that. Yeah. But to say no with reason and structure mm. and and logic and practicality and also care, you know, mm. like it's not saying no forever it's show me it's almost like give me a better option or mm. let's let's mm. make sure we've explored all our mm. options yeah, yeah and he's an explorer whereas i'm a jumper mm-hmm. you know i will always go all right let's do that like as as bruce calls me i'm the orc girl mm-hmm. so we're walking along and i see a little shiny object and go oh let's go over there oh oh no let's go over there oh oh no i want to go over there and so he calls me the orc girl and howard's the one that Howard and Bruce were the ones that always brought me back to centre. And and Bruce always made me do an ROI, return on investment. Mm-hmm. What will your return on investment be? If you are going to go and do an education course, Cindy, what's your return on investment? I had to prove to Howie. I remember Bruce giving me this um, 
this whole thing. And I actually think a business coach is absolutely brilliant. You know, I, Bruce. What, what about? Sorry, I just want to ask you quickly in there. What about people that think they can't afford it? Like, how do you do that at the beginning? Well, yeah. that's where we were at. We were at. He was going to take. of what I took the the year before. That's what he was going to take from us in that 12-month, meeting him once a week. Oh, so he took a percentage of profits. No, no, no. No, no, I just figured it out that way. I went, oh, I made that last year and he wants that this year. And I said to Howard, can we afford him? But what about people that aren't? So the first five years of business for a lot of people, there's not a lot of profit. And That's you're actually right. really trying to get yourself off the ground. You see, you were quite established in the sense of you had a product, you were selling it, you were creating a profit. Every year you were having a profit. I'm just asking you, what do you think about someone at the... It wasn't making meeting? that much money. You've got to remember Howard was also earning a wage. When I, when that year, when I think about that year, we make that in a week, what I used to make in a year now. So I wasn't doing that great, but the potential was there. And you know when you start university, you have to spend money to get an education Mm -hmm. to get it. And that's what I ended up looking at Bruce like. I went, that's a university degree. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. And it was Howard and I going to university to learn. And so I, that's, and I, I, it was a huge amount of money. It Mm -hmm. was, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap at all. Did it make you step up even more though to pay for that? Yep. Because I know with with my coach or whatever, even though he's a beautiful coach and I'm not actually having to pay him at the moment they're really good coaches um, but what I'm finding though is he's made me really accountable for what I'm spending and everything and in fact his input and I'm now looking at whether because he's not got enough time for me mm. I'm looking at whether I do employ someone like that and I'm at that point so you're saying your business will grow faster with it, but what if it's the wrong person? How do you know that's the right person? We didn't know he was the right person, but we trusted him. We, when I first met him, I remember thinking, "Oh, you're just a little upstart." Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. I remember you even mm. telling me that. Yeah, you're still <laughs> I hope he's listening. Yeah, I hope Bruce. Will. <laughs> I'm going to let Bruce, Bruce will enjoy this because yeah, he would know that. He would know that because I've told him. Yeah. And I, I remember in the beginning, I'm paying this guy, and I'll tell everybody what I was paying him. I hope. That's okay. But I was paying him $3,000 a month. $3,000 a month. Mm. And I paid him $3,000 a month to avoid him because yeah. he'd make me do things. And I'd avoid his phone calls because oh. he'd make me do things. And I'd and all of a sudden after about two months I went, I've just paid this guy $6,000 to avoid him. That does not make sense. And that's when I really got on board. Mm. I really got on board and went, I have to do what he tells me to do. And he used to make... I used to get really upset because he wouldn't let me do my wing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've had Bruce in our life. We now have him as our, a bit of a board. We only meet four times a year now. Mm. That's it. We don't need him with us anymore. But when we do need him, like yesterday, it's so funny, Howard and I are trying to make a decision on what we're going to do about something. And I said, do you want to go and meet Bruce and just see if we can nut it out as to which way we should go because we're just having a bit of a dilemma and it and it's not either of us are having an argument about it it's just we're just not sure which way to go here so here's our one of our board members you would say and there's only really three of us in that board members and and when he comes in he really clarifies it but bruce always made me do a return on investment if if I, I remember we were trying to decide whether we should put somebody on the road to sell changing habits changing lives or we should 
put me on the road to, to do more speaking. So it was either we, buy, we, we hire a sales representative or we hire an event coordinator. Mm-hmm. So I had to do an ROI on both. And the ROI on the, on the event oh, coordinator man. was ten times more. unbelievable. So How great to get that clarity. Though. It was. It was clarity. So we decided that we were no longer going to distribute. We were going to stay on the internet and we were going to have more events and, and really good events and get, you know, that was, that was, that was the, the split we did. So um, all the time, this is what we did. And the, and the same which happened when, when I had this woman and another woman and I put them together and they both had to be communicating. I had to pay them both. You know, it's double the cost of one person. So that's when I went and found, now we're going back to the education program. This is when Howard said to me, you need to find somebody um, or get me another quote or do something different, get who you want. So I did my manifesting Matisse. I wrote down exactly what I wanted, who I wanted, what I needed this person to be like. And for some reason, I had a male. Now, I have mainly females that work with me, but I had a male in my mind. And I don't know why. Whether he already knew he was going to be with me and I knew he was going to be with me because of a past. You remember we talked about that last time, Kimmy. You know, Mm -hmm. last week we talked about that. I just feel that our soul was connected. I don't know this. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I had a male. I had, I had what he looked like. I had everything I had manifested. <coughs> Do you think um, sometimes too that happens for that balancing, you know, like, figure, like the yin and the yang, the, it's going to appeal to both. You know, it's a very, it's an equal industry really. I mean, although I say that, and yet you went to that um, conference just recently. 800, 800 women. people and they were all women. All women. 20 men were in the room and that so was that's it. That's interesting yeah. in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. So I put it out there and guess what? Um, all women applied bar one man. Wow. And then I remember sitting and looking at all of the um, people that had applied and my HR girl said to me, there's only two that I would interview, Cindy, and it was one male and one and one female. And as I'm reading through his resume and everything he's done and everything about him, I'm going, I'm getting hot. Like, like I'm getting like, oh my gosh, he's everything I asked for, and he's a male. And and I'm and, and it was just weird that it was just this whole male thing. I don't know why, but I'm, I'm like reading through it all. I said, my gosh, he's got everything. He's got everything. And, and the female, she had part of it. And then when um, I, I rang my HR girl and Sally and I said to her, this is the one. I know he's the one. I know this is the one that I've been looking for and who I've had in my mind and who I wrote down exactly what I wanted from him. And then we interviewed him on the Monday and, and as I'm looking at him and listening to him and I'm just going... You're the one. Is he a spunk? It was so funny because the girls were saying, the girls are going, now remember, Cindy, you promised us a good looking one. You know? <laughs> just a bunch of girls. Yeah, yeah, I think he's. Oh, gosh, he's going to listen to this and go, yeah. oh, my gosh, you were thinking that of me, you know. <laughs> anyway, his office is already, as you see, you know, his office is already. And, and I did end up interviewing the girl. But just that the, it wasn't there. Mm. This gentleman, dro- and I felt like he just dropped into my lap um, at the right time. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> now who's the time? Yes. <laughs> but I did. I feel like, and you know what? He moved from another area, from another university, hoping, with his wife, his wife wanted to come back to the Sunshine Coast, oh. hoping that he would get 
some employment and saw this and applied for it. And I just, I know that he's the right person. And well, I rang all these references. We'll have to interview we'll him. Yeah, we'll give him a bit of time to get used to us, I think, yeah, Kim. Right. He, he hardly <laughs> knows us. He, all he's had is one interview with me. But I'm, I'm so excited. I, I was at this conference. There was 800 women in the room, all from the New York um, course. And my course is very different to the New York course. Uh, I'm not doing the same things. And as I'm speaking to some of the women that had um, kind of surrounded me, um, and, and they said, what are you doing now, Cindy, and, and why are you here? Are you doing this course too? And I said, well, actually, I was invited by somebody to come to this, and I'm, I'm absolutely blown away that there's 800 women in the room who all want to become coaches of nutrition. This is how big this is getting. Mm. When I was a nutritionist, you know, back in the early 80s when I was doing my degree, 20 girls were in my class. Now you have to have top marks to get into nutrition because it is the new field to get into. Mm. And what I'm offering now, like, so there's another arm of changing habits. So we started as a book. That's where it started, Changing Habits, Changing Lives, started as a book. And did I plan this? Did I plan to do, you know, did I say when I was two years of age or 16, this is what I'm going to do? No. I just feel that I've been guided and put in the right place and people have dropped into me. And it's an evolution. It's an evolution. Mm. And don't think you have all the answers. And just even though we had a plan when we met Bruce to where we were going, it was never a plan to become a food company. It was never a plan to become an education company. It was just what can we do to better our business, to get the message out there that we want to get out there. And um, I... I, I'm I'm floored by it all. I, I really I'm floored where I am, and 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 you know you two are very instrumental in in this happening because this podcast has we we get a lot of um, people coming to my website from this podcast, and I don't know if you're doing your stats on your podcast on your website, mm-hmm. but this has been a huge and um, Karen, I think um, I can thank you for um, both of you actually. But to think differently, you know, the, my relationship with Howard has not always been an easy one. And Kim's always been there to calm things down for me. And I remember one day Kim saying, well, for God's sake, Cindy, either get on with him or get out. You know? You, you do, you do. You, yeah, you're very hard. It's severe. And then you, Karen, would, I would, I realised I was just... Reading oh, all your fault. Yeah. It was all my fault. It was all my responsibility. So between the two of you, um, I, I, I really, I look at Howard now. So not only has my business grown, but our relationship has really changed. Mm. And it, it's evolving like you wouldn't believe. But so is our business. And I look at him and he is... Flourishing. He's flourishing, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's amazing. He's hot. He controls... She said that, Ellie. I love you, Howard. He doesn't listen to this. But he, can, he, he runs this show. And, and the culture in Changing Habits is amazing. And people want to work for us. I have people saying, how can I work for you? And I go, go and see Sally. She's my HR girl. Go and see her. Because it used to be I would invite friends, you know. Would you work for me? Work for me. But now we don't do that. We, we actually go through Sally. She knows us. She knew who I needed because all she did was come and sit with me for an hour, say, right, tell me what you want, Cindy. That's the power of an HR. I've never realised mm. the power of the HR uh, people. She's, mm. Sally knows that Sally said recently, she goes, 
think I'm going to sell my business and come work for you guys. When Howie met Sally. When Howie met Sally. Uh-huh. And it's true. It's true. You know, like, and Sally and Howie get on really well. And Sally has given us, we have a great team around us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I, just just recently Howie and I were just kind of sitting down having um, a cuppa and I just said to him, do you realise to realise where we've come and where we, we are going. I was going to ask you that. Do you celebrate along the way? Oh. Do you do small celebrations or are you always trying to look for the next thing? Do you... mm. I... We're not ones to drink champagne, as you know, Kim, because I destroy champagne by putting those little red things in there to make them taste a little bit better. You know, the little hibiscus flowers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, Kim, I have to tell everybody, Kim brings around Moe or what's the other one you bring Verve. around? Verve. Oh, and Clico, stop it. That's yeah, look, see, these two know something it. Something fabulous. I right don't there. like champagne whatsoever. And Kim brings it around and I go, can we put something in it to test it just a little bit better, please? I don't waste it on her anymore. I pour no, more brandy now. She does. Or a... Um, uh, what's the other thing you love? Vodka light? No, vodka. No. Mojito. Mojito. Yeah, Mojito. But, do you know, but do you know what's absolutely fabulous? Oh, what? It's Cointreau on ice. Mm, I agree. Lovely with you. orange, something fabulous and quite decadent. <laughs> one has a moment when one has a contrary. <laughs> Do you know? I think the way the way Howard and I celebrate is not with the contrary. <laughs> They've lost it, both of them. I think. I think we celebrate I with our with going away together. Like we'll yeah, we'll nice. go and hike to Annapurna and. And do fabulous things. Yes, I, I, I think Karen's like going white. You know, beats bloody Quantro. <laughs> I think you also sell it like at the Christmas party last year. I thought that was a beautiful mm. celebration and, and an acknowledgement of the team. And I think now, I think what I've learnt from you is is that this is a team effort now. Mm. It was all you for so many years, and to see you now express yourself fully being able to do that without running around after driving children and around mm. everywhere and without having to manage the home as well as well as selling your books packing orders websites accounts like doing all of that and i but i still believe that part of the business or that part don't don't not enjoy that journey oh, because agreed. that part is building the foundation i believe for what is to come and and i think karen's taught me this that there's no wrong like like really appreciate where you're at right here right now because it is the building block to we and sometimes we may not be ready for that big jump or we may not be for me personally my I'm a little bit of a jumper and I'm kind of I want to be there now Mm. I want to get there now Mm. and I might make a decision based on my passion like you Karen and I think lately I've really since I have become the the sole driver of my business Um, I think because I've been in partnership all my business life, I think I've gone the other way now where I've now become the sole driver that I now am even more harsh on myself. Like, you know, I won't make that jump anymore because now I've got to prove it. Um, And I think so there's no right or wrong how you get there, I don't think. I think it's just a, you know, I've written some things here that I would love to to summarise what you're saying a little bit later, but I just think what I'm learning from you is is just never drop that passion mm-hmm. never stop believing and being open to the possibility of where this is going I mean we're all blown away by where it's going mm-hmm. and and excited and just so wrapped that I mean we, we joked years ago that Cindy should be the Prime Minister you know like, mm-hmm. but I remember, <laughs> I remember walking our beach and saying to you Cindy you actually have to start screaming this out because 
people like us that don't have a Bachelor of Nutrition but we're totally passionate about nutrition, we need someone to be our voice. And if you're the voice and you've got a whole, and you're the Pied Piper and you've got all of us in behind you, that gives you, that gives you even more power. So I think we need some beacons of light out there mm. and particularly with your knowledge and information. Do you think, do you ever get tired from it? Do you ever wish you weren't doing it? Do you ever have days where you wake up and go, I can't do this anymore? Do you ever have that? No. Mm. no. Did you? Before you had the team to take up some of the load, did you ever find that there were moments, and it's not a question of the passion, it's more a question of the energy mm. to really sustain every part of the business. Did, when you were doing everything, did you ever wake up and go, I just need a day off, <laughs> I just need a week, or I just need When that a was break. happening, I had my three kids that were heavily like where Kim is at the moment. No. So Kim's in a, in a time in her life. She has nine to three. That's mm. it. So we have, I had nine to three and on weekends I didn't, I didn't work. Mm. I, I had nine to three or when they went to bed or I would get up at four thirty in the morning. So I, these were my only spaces that I had. And, uh, when you're at nine to three and somebody buys a product and you've got to dispatch it, you get really excited. You want to pack it. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's like, oh, oh someone's bought something. <laughs> so, no. No, I was so excited. All the time I was like, oh, my gosh, someone just bought something. Oh, I sold two books today. Or, uh, oh, my gosh, ABC Radio wants to interview me. So, no, I, I don't. There was always something to get excited about. There was about. always something. And there was always something to get excited about. And sometimes I would, I would be thinking oh gosh I've got to go pick the kids up you know I would do that yeah and then I would stop myself and realize that that's my life is my children Mm. I only have nine to three that's it and it was so funny when we started this business we still had the kids at home my Tania was still um at university at um high school I had nine to three and we started this business as a nine to three business. Do you know that Tani has been out of school two years now and we've now gone to eight to four. (laughs) (laughs) We've only just gone to eight to four. So there's only one girl here that has children at school. Oh, actually there's more now with kids at school. But do you think that um, having that nine to three, Mm. because when your kids are home, you're there for the children Mm. and you have to be present for the kids because they force you to. <laughs> do, you, do you think that that gave you balance? Do you think, I mean, granted it's still busy and it's still full mm. on, but do you think it gives you balance? Do you know what? That somebody like me just doesn't have. Yeah, you know, but you do have balance because I know you love what you do. And the only reason you feel guilty is that you think you have to go out and exercise or you think you have to go out and do that. But to me, balance is this, you doing what you love. Mm. And what I loved was I loved getting up and going and walking and swimming. I loved that. Mm. I loved getting up at 4.30 in the morning and having two hours to myself. Nobody rings you and writing or dispatching or whatever. I loved going and waking those children up. I loved taking them to school. Mm. So which way I was balanced was I more balanced with my children or more balanced with my business didn't matter it was as long as I was doing what I loved Mm, mm. and I find I don't know why um, women have children I really don't if they complain about um, the whole business 
of overdoing the business and of kids. children and kids and time and what they want to do and what they have to do and they 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 go mad because they've got to take their kids here and there and everywhere. Like I watch you, Kim. You're a single mum, really, even though you do have a husband. But he's away all the time he's working. He's a claims husband. He's a claims husband. Yeah, we, we don't even really know whether he exists or not. But anyway, he does fleet in and out. I actually think you just get a gigolo for a service. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I watch you, and I, and I remember, you know, you love going and picking up your mm-hmm. daughter because I always say, call me, I'll go pick her up, but you never want me to do that. Mm, you never, true. ever, I say, if you're tired, call me, I'll go do it. Mm. You know, I, uh, I have no kids at home. I'm happy to go out at 9 o'clock, pick her up and bring her home to you if you can't do it, but you never have called me. No. So I know you love to do that, and I did too. I loved going and picking my kids up. Mm. I don't know what it was. It was, you know, at times... No one, no one will drive them as well as you will. Exactly. And, <laughs> and you, they're safe with you. And it's your time to catch it's up. It's your time to catch up. It's your time with them. And, and there were times that I did get um, angst about it. And, and, and I know you can't regret, but I'm angry at myself for doing that. When I should have been present, as we were talking about last week, being present to that moment. And it wasn't until we took the children away from school and from life and went travelling around Australia for that two years that I really got it, that I really got that this is what I love. I loved homeschooling them. I loved loved that time. And then when we got home, we continued to homeschool them. And then there was a stage where it was time to go back to school. And that gave me a, a chance to get back into my business. So... It's like you've loved every step. It's like you've enjoyed every process, haven't you? Yeah, I have. And and please don't anybody think that I never had times of craziness and madness Mm. and, you know, because I did. Or, for instance, when her children started drinking and... (laughs) Um, partying and driving. I mean, we could have another podcast on how Cindy O'Meara really copes through those times. But, oh, look at that. We're running out of time. I, look, you know what I'm really looking forward to? Is I'm looking forward to Kim Morrison's kids reaching that age. I can hardly wait. But, but you know what? The oh, really good Jake's going to get this. Yeah, Jake, yeah, 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 yeah. But the really good thing is, is that Kim became the auntie. <laughs> didn't you? You became the auntie. And when I was not coping, I would send Kim in. <laughs> and I would go, look, you know, if I was your mother, I would allow you to do that. But, you know, your mum is just, she's on a different planet. She's not very nice. She's not very easy to be around. And, you know, come to auntie. Come to auntie. True. <laughs> it worked brilliantly. But you're going to be there for mine. I will be. I will be. And, and I, like, I, and it doesn't, for, for everything that I've done, it's been a village. I was going to say. It's yeah. been a village. It's a village that's brought up my children. All my friends have helped me. It's, it's you know, how it's been part of it. It's been a village that's created changing habits. I, I'm not the sole person behind changing habits anymore. I've, I've got an amazing village, an amazing team, and I'm, and I can see it growing, and I have, um, I have a vision now. Whereas when this first started and Howard and I went into our first um, offices and factory, I looked at him and I went, what are you thinking? This is huge. We're never going to fill this. I really thought that. Wow. And now we're bursting into a third. And, and I have no more fear over this. I, I had a bit of fear, you know. Oh, gosh. Now I've got to make sure that I'm making enough money to... I'm employing two people now. I've got to make enough money to employ two people. 
Well, surprise, surprise, as if we didn't already know this day was coming. Lovely old Cindy, this is our um, first part of a two-part recording that's all about Cindy and her business and her knowledge. So we really want you guys to make sure that you tune in again next week for part two because Cindy's giving away some real nuggets of gold and you definitely don't want to miss it. So make sure that you go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments about your business, your ideas, things that you've been thinking about. You can also go to um, allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and leave your comments and posts there. So make sure that you tune in next week to hear part two of this beautiful series on Cindy's business and we're going to see you on the ride as you become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.